Hi, Sam. Hi, Lauren. Are you ready to talk about Gone Girl? I am, because after all, we are the watchers of movies. So, hello. 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 I'm not sure why um, I said that, but <laughs> this that way. week um, we're a little bit um, we have a little bit of a tight schedule, so we're just gonna jump right into discussing the film without any chatting, which is gonna be really hard for us because we sure love to talk. <laughs> it is gonna be. I was thinking this morning because I had to run to the store because. Okay, one quick story. Okay, <laughs> I wanted coffee, so I was gonna go to Starbucks, but instead I thought. Give a girl one Starbucks, she'll drink for a day. Give her grocery store Starbucks, she'll drink for like two weeks. So I went to the grocery store instead and I was walking through the store thinking like, I don't think we can do it. I don't think we can do it. <laughs> I know. I I know. It's it's so hard because like, as I told you, I watched The Born Identity last night for like the first time. And like, I just wanted to be like, let's just talk about movie. Like, anyway. <laughs> let's just talk about movies. <laughs> let's just talk about movies. So anyway, we wanted to still bring you a quality episode. And um, yeah. So that's We're diving about, right in. Deep talk end. Talk about Gone Girl. Talk gone, about girl. gone Girl. She gone. So I am so excited to talk to you about this movie because I've seen this movie multiple times. I've read the book a bunch of times and I, and I know that you didn't know anything about this film. So I want to know, what do you do think? Well, let me say, so amazingly, mo almost everything about this movie eluded me. And I had a perception of the movie because I do like movie trailers a lot. So inevitably I've seen the trailer and I know there was like chatter when it first came out. So my perception of the movie was that his wife goes missing and then he finds out that she's up to no good. But I did not anticipate the twist of her okay. being up to no good. I thought maybe she had like this secret history and, you know, like those things were going to come to light. So that was kind of an interesting swerve from my theory about the movie um and i have obviously obviously i never read the book that's a stupid thing to say because i just said that i didn't know anything about it but the thing about this movie is i can tell by watching it that it's probably i mean it's a i bet it's a great book but i'm not convinced it's a great movie um i'm actually like really on the fence about what i think about it and it's I've been wrestling with it. I watched it Thursday and it's Saturday now and I've sort of been wrestling with it for the last like day and a half because I I can't say that I liked it, but I can't say that I didn't like it. And I have like, I can tell by the story that the book would be awesome, but there's things that happen in the movie that I think, yeah, I bet the for the, the explanation that a book could offer would make this really interesting. But for the movie i'm just i'm just not sure i'm not sure how i feel about it i i don't think it's great i don't think that's that's out of the run like great is out of the running but i think i could like it i could dislike it i'm just not sure honestly <laughs> i think you probably really like it though am i right oh i love it yeah um i i think as far as adaptations go i think it's one of the best adaptations i've seen um, I think it's very true to the book. 
I would highly recommend reading the book. It's I am curious because I I mean it when I say I think it's probably a great book because I can just tell by how complicated and twisty the story is that it's probably like what like a Dominique de Coco you know chef's kiss like I bet it's really a good book so I I am like it's in my head to possibly read the book mm-hmm. but I haven't uh I haven't committed to that but yeah I read um I read some of her other stuff Gillian Flynn I read Sharp Objects and Sharp Objects was like like it, it, it's her her stuff is very dark which I obviously like or else I wouldn't read it but um Anyway, as far as Gone Girl goes, I fucking love this movie. <laughs> like, and it reminds me a lot. And I, I talked to you kind of before about how it reminds me a lot of the um the Lacey Peterson and Scott Peterson case, and specifically how Nick reacted after Amy disappeared. There's like a lot of uh, parallels to how Scott Peterson acted after Lacey disappeared. Um, and I mean, I could get into that whole thing for, for hours and hours because I'm like obsessed with the case and I've been following it, especially since the, he was, um, uh, what's that word? Um, what's that word? Commuted off of death row or whatever? Death sentence was commuted or something? He's still yeah. in prison. He's just not. Um... Yeah. So he's in. Well, and that's just that's not just for him. That's for all um, death row inmates in California. Oh, do they not have the death penalty anymore? I guess the go- it's on hiatus. I guess Jeez. the governor. I so my my um my cousins live the one that I have that picture with uh with Rob Lowe, Shyla, my cousin Shyla. She I have this to all the audience members out there. I have a picture on my wall of my cousin and Rob Lowe, and I joke about Rob Lowe being my cousin. Um, but. She like is friends with the governor. They and his name is Gavin. Ooh, what a yeah. flex! So she's, I know she's always like, "Well, Gavin and I," and like, "Well, whatever." Anyway, geez, um, does her husband know? Oh no, <laughs> married? Yeah, no, they're like, yeah, like I think Gavin's married. I would imagine they're like couple friends. I like that you're uh, also on a first name basis with him. I don't know his last name. <laughs> no, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just teasing. I'm just giving you a hard time. I know. So anyway, he commuted. Your cousin sounds like she has an, a really awesome life. Like her kids like met Katy Perry and anyway. Oh yeah. <laughs> the picture that was the cutest thing ever. My mom got the picture of of her kids with Katy Perry. Oh no, no, that was my cousin Beth. Oh geez, you've got multiple like Yeah, I, my cousin my cousin Beth is the CEO of um I think it's called like it's called like ASCPA or something like that. It's well, not, anyway, it's, anyway, it's a music, it's like a music thing. It's, yeah, I know it's, it's really similar. It has like the same initials, but in like a different order. It's not the animal thing anyway, whatever. So she's like the CEO of that. So she knows a bunch of people, but when my, when Beth sent her, um, a picture or she sent my mom a picture of her girls with Katy Perry. My mom is so cute. She goes, is that a Disney princess? <laughs> I was like, oh, mom, you sweet, darling little angel. <laughs> I was like, mom, that's Katy Perry. And she goes, well, I don't know. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> so cute. <laughs> Did 
To be fair, Katie was dressed as Cinderella, so <laughs> she, I mean, she does look she with the big eyes and the dark hair. Like you, you could see Disney princess. In the yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. Um, well, not with dark hair, but <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, yeah. Um, I really I love this movie, and I think that it's I think it's awesome. I love the whole story. I and I have to say and I think we'll probably get into it later is that when I first read this book or I can't remember if I saw the movie first or read the book first but when I first whatever consumed the media um I did not like Nick at all like and I was like him and Amy deserve each other and as I watched this again I was kind of like I don't actually feel that way anymore about Nick um I don't really like him as a person but I empathize with him a hell of a lot more now and I'm like you know like Amy is a bad bad woman and Nick does not deserve to be with someone that bad like he's not a great guy don't get me wrong but she is I mean she is something else you know yeah I um I feel like they're both the thing about the movie for me is and i this is like this is why i i can see it being a great book is because the omniscience of a book is good for characters like these because they're both kind of unreliable like she's an unreliable narrator 100 percent. yeah he's unreliable a lot of the time too because he actually i actually was swerved when he when his little girlfriend came, I thought, oh shit. So he's kind of a piece of shit as well. Like, yeah, there's nobody, like there's nobody super, neither one of them are like redemptable in the respect of like their relationship. Like obviously right. he, he's just having an affair. He never murdered anybody. He never accused somebody of crimes they didn't commit. So, I mean, like he's not evil, but he is like in the confines of their relationship. Like he is not like innocent you know oh no for and sure, definitely um not. she has mental issues like she's psychotic oh, she's not just right. a bad person she's a psychopath oh yeah no i'm well and yeah, i, I mean, know she's a psychopath because when she was raping herself with a wine bottle she didn't even look like she was in pain like oh, yeah no i she know she was stone-faced and i thought like that's somebody who is not right like well, that was something like is wrong with her Remember how I talked about like champagne bottles and how they freak me out and I hate opening them and I get really nervous about it. Like I was like cringing at that scene because I was like, oh my god, <laughs> like no. Wait, like you were cringing because you thought the cork was gonna come out or what? Well, yeah. Like I mean, um, that's a that was that's her what was that was that's was, what was making you cringe. I was cringing because she was sticking a glass hard object into no, herself forcefully. <laughs> I thought she was opening the bottle so that it would hit her and bruise her vagina. Yeah, she was sticking the vagina. Wasn't she sticking the bottle up her vagina? She was making like pumping motions. No, I think she was opening it so that it would hit her so it would bruise it so she looked like she was raped. I 100% think that that is not correct. But you don't? Okay. Because well, she was I like mean, moving it back and forth. Also, like that's a really unreliable way to hurt yourself just opening a cork so it hits you once like that's <laughs> lauren i can't like i can't even imagine that like we didn't even if we heard a comedic popping noise maybe i would think that but like it's a also 
I thought it was wine, not champagne. Like I don't, wine corks don't come out like champagne corks. I know. I I thought it was champagne and that she was popping it to like, yeah. <laughs> Is that what she did in the book? I don't I don't remember that. I don't remember that far. Well, okay. Can I you look it up. I mean, I'm I'm 100% certain that she was putting the bottleneck into herself, but regardless, her stoic face as she was doing it, if she was on some weird chance opening the, like, popping the cork into herself or doing what I thought she was doing, her stone face was, I was like, well, that seals the deal. She's, she's like, not right. <laughs> she's got problems, you know? Right? And that part was super disturbing. I I was yeah. It just says that she's abusing herself with the wine bottle. I think you're. I think you're probably right. I mean, I mean, honestly, <laughs> if she was popping the cork into herself when you heard that like pop, and then like there was fizz going everywhere. I mean, like that would be comedic to me. I'd be like, girl. <laughs> I I don't know. I thought that scene was pretty disturbing. Um. But anyway, no, I, and she's I mean, you know, there's like a scene where she's pumping the blood out of her body and like just sitting there and like reading a book. It's like, yeah. How does she get up and like drive without fainting? Because that's a I lot know. of blood. It was a lot. Yeah, I um, I kind of question that, too. She's like, you need to drain a lot of blood, a lot of blood. And I was like, it seemed to me like she almost should have done it over the course of like a couple days. You yeah, know? like couldn't she keep it in the fridge? Like she could do some and then do some more and then. But then again, in the movie, she supposedly got a pot belly in the span of like four days, which I don't believe either. Yeah, I don't. And no, then I she lost that pot belly almost just as quickly, which is obviously like illogical. Um, so yeah, those things. I I'm okay. Like. I can suspend disbelief for the blood loss, but the weight gain and loss really like <laughs> I didn't I thought that was a weird probably in the book it's explained a little bit better. That's one of the reasons I think it's probably a better book because I assume that everything in the book just makes more sense than me being like, oh, now she's chubby after three days of eating Kit Kats. Right. Like, I mean, you know, she could she could just be retaining water or be swollen. Like you that's know. a lot of water to retain. Like, like she had a pot belly, <laughs> gassy or something. Uh, yeah. I guess, I well, I guess if I she's mean, popping think... corks into herself, then maybe she is a little gassy. <laughs> I think that the whole, the whole, obviously, the whole point of her, um, her, oh my god, what oh weight gain. Thank, yeah, thank you. Okay. Obviously, the whole point of her getting like a pot belly is because she's like, oh, I've left Nick now, so now I can get fat because I don't have to maintain this perfect figure for him. But oh, I thought like, she was doing it because she was like hiding out and she didn't want to be found. No, she's doing it because she, no, in the book anyway, that's what they say. See, but that's she, why the movie, eh, not as good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess it like, I guess I could maybe. I could I can see where you're coming from but for me I liked it but I also read the book so sure you know, um, that's true so like any plot holes you might be sort of like taking for granted because you know because I already know yeah, yeah yeah that makes sense um I I mean I, anyone who knows me and talks about movies with me knows that I'm a huge David Fincher fan so I was really excited to be able to do this because then we have a next we have a couple more uh, David Fincher films that we're going to do after this. So that's going to be exciting. 
Um, yeah, I thought the the movie was very like sleek and modern looking, and I really appreciated that. Um, uh, it's the color tone was really pleasing. Uh, the sh- images, the shots were really, really interesting. Um, <laughs> something that I called out when we were watching it was when he was at the bar with his sister. Yeah, I said to Mike. I'm really distracted right now that the window of the bar says bar in this. It feels like we're watching a stage play. And I think that that's super lazy. And then like in the next well, the scene, name of the bar the is scene, called the bar. Yes. <laughs> that's what I was just going to say. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> they called You're it right. out and they like laughed oh. at it. Like the, the detective like called out how on the nose it was. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, see, like that's another thing for me. Like in a book, I would accept that. But in the movie, I was just like, whatever. But I was glad that like the cinematography, because like David Fincher is is elite. So it shocked me that he would use a generic window for his bar. Like, did you just like reuse a set? But it makes sense, you know, when you yeah. see the explanation of it. Um, but yeah, no, I thought I thought the set design and everything was was very well done. It was so it's just so classy and so well done. Yeah, I think that I think that the house that they live in is kind of like representation of just like a generic like house and like some sort of you know suburban community it's nothing special there's nothing that's really like shows either of their personalities within it you know yeah Um, it's very much like the type of house that you walk into and you go oh so this is for sale great you know like you know it's yeah it's yeah it's very much like there's just no sort of like personality aspect to it and I think that's kind of the point I think especially since obviously Amy felt like like Nick bringing her to what was it North Carthage um to like or Missouri I guess um to live there kind of felt like she was giving up her freedom a little bit which I I guess I didn't really like I can I can see why she would go with him but at the same time like being who she is I was kind of surprised that she would give up her life in New York City for Missouri you know like I can't I just wouldn't I guess I would imagine that she would kind of end up being like oh well this isn't gonna work out you can go your own way and I'm gonna stay here you know but um anyway with the house and everything I I think it's just indicative of her like feeling like she's just kind of like losing her sense of identity you know and which is why I think she goes on the the rampage that she does which her reaction to that whole thing is obviously like incredibly psychotic I mean she's like over the top crazy and she's like really has an overreaction to uh, how she feels about Nick you know she could have just left him but instead she's like I'm gonna fake my fucking murder and like you know I mean I don't know I I love I love it I I love a psychotic uh like hot female character what can I say it's it's my bread and butter it's Dominique Ducoco. <laughs> I think one of the reasons I I feel nervous about reviewing this movie is because she's so unreliable. It's hard to even I can't analyze her actions. Like I can't analyze the moment 
in my, I guess in my head, the easiest explanation for me was that when she discovered he was cheating on her was when she went off the deep end and everything before that, when she talked about feeling like she didn't belong in Missouri, I kind of attribute that to her unreliableness, like in her fake diary, like right in my head. Cause she did say, and I choose to believe she said, be honest about the early days. Cause those were really nice. Mm-hmm. So I believe that. Um, and I believe that she went to Missouri with good intentions, and, but I believe that what I saw within the confines of the story was that Nick's mother, who he really loved, passed away. They couldn't save her. So he must have sunk into some sort of like funk or depression or grief. And that caused him, that caused like distance to grow between them. And then he started having an affair. And then when she saw him having an affair, that's when she was like, okay, I'm going to take care of this. And yeah, her reaction was like, she wanted him to get the death penalty. Like that's insane. Yeah. But yeah, she's established as a crazy person. I don't know if that's politically correct, but she is psych. she's psychotic, established as psychotic when Nick talks to her ex-boyfriend and her ex-boyfriend said he kind of started ghosting her. And so she made this, cooked up this elaborate scheme to make it look like he raped her, you know? So she's not yeah. like, like hell hath no fury. Like a woman scorned is like based on her, you know, like oh, for sure. So yeah. I think, feel like in my head the parts in Missouri when she's talking about feeling like he does like he treats her like an object almost aren't real I think that that's just her building up the case in her fake diary but the reason she wrote those things is because she had discovered that he was having an affair so then she created like their fake like fallout almost And so that's interesting. But also what's interesting to me about these characters is that they're both assuming they know what the other one is thinking of them. I mean, obviously when she saw it, that's why it's, it's so hard because I don't know what's true for her and what's not true. But okay. I know that there's a scene where Nick talks to his sister and says, like, I come home every day and I'd see her looking at me, judging. But from her perspective... I think she would think like, I love this guy. Why is he being so distant? What is wrong with him? How can I help him? And then they both think the other person, like it's dangerous. I mean, I think it's a very interesting picture of relationships because when you love somebody, when you're in a romantic relationship, I guess any relationship, you have to trust that they love you back because you can't read their minds. Right. And so their problems are like, they couldn't, like, for some reason, they just didn't talk to each other. Or there was this gulf between them because he had already started being sort of depressed because he lost his job in New York and he was sort of sinking lower and lower. And she was like trying to be supportive. I choose to believe that that's accurate because she said the first years were pleasant and that was true. And, and then he just kept slipping away down, down, down. But and I think he thought she was disappointed in him. And I think she thought he was disappointed in her and they not, neither one of them chose to like cross that bridge and say like, something is wrong here. I love you, you know, but it's so hard because that it's not that easy because she's like, you don't know where the truth begins and ends with her. But I thought it was a really interesting picture of a couple, like every couple thinks this, like what is my partner thinking in their head? And you choose to trust that, they will communicate with you if 
something in their head changes, you know, and then if neither right. one of you communicate, I, I think it's interesting in that regard. And that's why I keep going back to the fact that I think the book is probably better because we have that omniscience. Like we can see inside their brains almost, you know? Right, right. Yeah. And in I a think, movie, you can't. Yeah. And I think it's hard to portray that in a film because it's like, unless you have constant narration or something like that, which yep. I'm, I've talked about narration before. I don't really like it unless it's done right. You know, um, overall, I, I would rather have things um, like, I'd rather see them than have them spelled out for me, you know, mm -hmm. because it's just sometimes I feel like narration can take away from um, like, I guess, the mystique or the interest of the film. If it's just like shoved in your face, like, oh, and by the way, this happened and you're like, yeah, I know. I just saw it. So thank you for, you know, announcing it to me. Like, um, yeah. And but, it takes away some of the actor's performance a little and it, which yeah. in a role like this. I think it would take a lot away to have a narrator yeah. that wasn't her lying journal, you know, like every yeah. once in a while she'd have that narration, but then you find out that that's, you know, not even totally reliable. Right. And so it does make you, I mean, I think that, and I feel like part of the book does that kind of too, where you're just really not sure, like, you're like, what's the truth and what's not the truth, you know? But I think that what is going on is that you're right about her being supportive when they moved to Missouri. I think she really did care about his mom. Um, but I think that once she found out about Andy, the, the um, girlfriend, that it was like everything else past that was a lie. So like the abuse was a lie. Um, you know, her, her, her feeling like he's treating her like, you know, just like an object or whatever. I don't think is true either. There's a one part where he's like, um, making her into like a nagging person. I don't think that's true either. Um, because she's like, you're trying, like, she sounds so gentle when she says that she's like, you're trying to make me into something that I'm not. And, I feel like that interaction probably never actually happened that she's just trying to create him into like, you know, this villain so that she looks like the long suffering wife. And he's like the jerk who's, you know, pushing her against a, a stairway and, um, you know, hurting her and stuff like that. And I mean, obviously it shows later that Nick is capable of physical violence. However, and I'm not saying that I, I'm not saying that I condone physical violence, but his reaction to her coming back and him pushing her against the wall, I felt like was a little bit justified because she tried to get him in trouble for like murder, you know, like, so I, I'm not saying it's right, but I'm also saying like her actions were so much worse compared to him just pushing her against the wall that it's almost like okay you know like you're like well we'll just look past that because you were like your life was just about to fall apart and you were about to be you know committed to death <laughs> you know like like so uh and yeah um, i think at that point they're not i mean they're married legally but i don't think at that point it's a man beating up his wife i think it's a man being violent-ish with a woman who tried to ruin his life. It's not his oh, yeah. wife anymore. It's not like he's a, it's not spousal abuse. It's like a crazy person 
has tried to ruin your life and you're having an emotional outburst. But the first incident when he pushed her against the stairwell is fake. So right. Um, right. I don't think that, I mean, of I don't think he's like an abuser. I think he's like, you, this is the only way I can try to get through to this person, this being right. who is not right in the head, you know? And so, yeah, I don't, I mean, I didn't think twice about that because I was like, she's, She's done just as bad. Like, you know, I mean, there's She's this... done way worse to him. Like, like, I know that it's like, oh, a man shouldn't hit a woman or a man shouldn't do this to a woman, but, like, people shouldn't do what she did either. So I don't really view it as anything other than, like, someone tried to ruin my life and I'm really pissed off about it and I yeah. push them. Who cares? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, same here. Same here. Um, um I... I don't I wasn't gonna go on. <laughs> what were you gonna say? I also thought that the interactions between the two of them was a little bit too bookish. Um, their dialogue was a little bit too on point. I actually was gonna <laughs> say something like that. I didn't I find it believable or cute. I thought they were more like two people playing parts of people falling in love because they were like so clever. And even even though it's a movie and it was a book, like seeing it acted out that way was kind of like um, egregious Cringy. to me. <laughs> Cringy. Yeah. And I don't know if this part was in the book, but I have secondhand embarrassment as I have secondhand embarrassment for stuff like this in movies. So, so Amy is the subject of this like children's book that her mom has written and Amy's her, walking her through parents. This- yeah. yeah her parents amy is walking through this like book party and she's talking to nick and she's like they made they took my life and every mistake i made like amy didn't make these mistakes like i didn't make the softball team and then amy went varsity i quit the cello and then amy became like a phenom and then she's like expressing all this disdain and and you know like they've kind of like bastardized her childhood and and she loves her parents, but it's like you can tell that it's it's taken a toll on her to like oh, have sure. this like paragon that she can never live up to that's based on her. And the public thinks that she's this like perfect Amy and 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 then she's like has to do this obligatory um interview with all these reporters and this scene really bothered me because Nick comes up and pretends to be a reporter and and like first of all he totally publicizes this uh romantic moment where he's asking her to marry him in front of reporters who she had just said she didn't want to talk to so now not only is her personal business fair game for them it's not even like special between the two of them because he's doing it in front of them but then he goes the extra mile and this is where i get the secondhand embarrassment can I say one more thing before you before you say what you're going to say? And I know what you're going to say because I know exactly what you're talking about. I think that that was a, something that Amy liked. I think that she liked the attention because now the attention's being taken away from Amazing Amy and being put on actual real Amy. And so now she's like, oh, Amazing Amy got married or is getting married. Well, guess what? Now real Amy is actually engaged. And so I... I kind of disagree with you. I think that that she was into that. I think that she like Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. She did seem into it. So now I agree with you on that. Mm -hmm. Um 
But now we're switching over. This next part is a movie thing that I really hate and a book thing that I really hate. And it, it like makes me cringe. Like I feel flushed when this happens in movies because it's supposed to be romantic, but I hate it. And he says she has a great vagina. And I'm like, why would you World ever- class vagina. <laughs> why would you ever say that in front of reporters? Why would you ever say that in front of anyone but her? Like, sure, it's a compliment, but you don't, like in movies, they make it seem like it's like this no big deal. And I would be mortified. Like, yeah, in, oh, private, me too. in private, you can say all you want about me and my body. That's positive, you know, but in public, like, right, it's, right. It's, absurd and anyway and so that really bothers me in movies like there was this i i can name movies in my head that have stuff like that all the time and i don't know what reaction the filmmakers are looking for when they do stuff like that and i don't know was that in the book i think so see yeah. i just think that's so weird anyway i just Whenever I see it, I, I get angry because I'm like, talk like a real person. Because if my partner did that in front of reporters, I'm, I'd be though, pissed. I agree. Like Amy did seem to like the fact that she was getting engaged, you know, but, mm. and in front of people. But I just, I think in terms of like story writing and dialogue writing, I feel like that part is just so overdone and stupid. And like, if I was at a public engagement and the person said that about their partner, I would be like, oh gosh nobody I know, needs like, to know that i don't want to know that like yeah it to yourself weirdo like God. just say it to your partner in private i don't know i also be like kind of you're like, a world-class creep <laughs> like you know so i was i came across some cinema sins which i was kind of getting annoyed by the way the guy does it um so i didn't watch the whole thing but he did point out something that i kind of didn't notice or like i noticed but i didn't like put it in my notes but when Nick and Amy first meet, it's like a very, like the way that they're talking is very like stiff and almost like old Hollywood sounding. And the di like the dialogue is so, it's so unnatural that you're like, you're like, what are, like who, like Nick isn't even acting like Nick. Nick is acting like some, I don't know, like some Cary Grant-esque, you know, like character. And it's like, but you're, you're not and it doesn't fit in that type of setting where they're like at a party and uh the cinema sins guy also had mentioned that there's like a guy in like a tuxedo shirt and he's like this is a fancy party he's like that means that one of the producers hired this guy and was just like you care you go or like knew him or whatever um but yeah i i i didn't love that their initial meeting was so like stiff and weird and then the cinema sins guy had also mentioned he's like how does nick know about this like sugar they're like you know delivering the sugar and like so you know like they just and she's just following him down a dark alley like no problem let's just go down this random dark alley with a stranger that i just met and i I didn't really think of that either because i always liked that sugar scene because it's very like kind of magical you know but he has a point it's it's why like and like why would nick know that unless he that was something that he did like he worked with you know what i mean or if he worked at a bakery or whatever yeah you know? i thought when i saw that scene i thought this scene would be beautiful in my imagination as i'm reading the book but i don't think it translates in a movie 
Um, yeah. I yeah. think that they'd have to, I think, I know that it's probably, I guess that it's probably from the book. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that they would probably, uh, wisely, they should have deviated from that and done something different um, right. with the same end result. But well, I think the only reason that they they did that is so that they could do the parallel of Andy. Yeah, and that's why I mean, no. like with the same with the same result, like he would oh, have okay, to okay. like brush her lips and kiss her at the end. Right, right. But they'd have to find a creative, a more creative way to like, because like I said, in your head, you can imagine whatever you want when you're reading the book. But when you're making a movie, like I think you have to tighten the screws a lot. Right, right. Because I also. I think I get annoyed with people who are like, oh, they ruined this book. And I'm like, well, they didn't ruin the book because this is the movie version. And I understand sometimes you say the book is better, but also there are times when you have to say like, this is the movie version. This is the book version. Did they keep the essence the same? Because if they kept the essence the same, then they didn't ruin the book, you know, like. Right, right. So I think I've heard, I never read The Martian but I've heard that that is a super good rendition because the filmmakers knew what to keep in and what to keep, what to take out. And I right. think that that's important because you're not filming a book, you're filming a movie based on a book. And right. so scenes like that, I think you have to put your creative thinking cap on and be like, how can we honor the essence of that scene, but make it so it's acceptable in a movie? Yeah, I totally, I understand what you mean. And I actually, like, I like the magic of the sugar, but I have to say that I always thought it was kind of gross that, like, they just met, and then he's, like, touching her mouth, and, like, I'd be kind of like, what do you, no, don't, don't touch my lips, <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't like, know, oh, though. I think if, if you're going home with a man from a party, I, I think there's kind of, like, an unspoken, I'm not saying that men are allowed to, like, I'm not saying you're, like, consenting to have sex with them or anything but i think the way that he sort of reached up and touched her and she didn't move away meant that she was like i'm cool with however this is gonna go no i totally agree it's just my personal preference i'd be like don't nope don't touch my mm -mm, nope nope mm -mm, don't do that do that <laughs> you know i'd be like but i mean if there's a man that like you cat does if you were like vibing with a guy at a party and you were like taking a romantic walk with him you wouldn't you'd I still be it weirded might out just be because it's Ben Affleck and I don't like find him really attractive <laughs> so Ben Affleck is vibing with you at a party and he walks he says he'll walk you home and then he takes you to this like fantasy whimsical sugar storm you're gonna you're gonna deny him I'm probably not gonna go for a walk with Ben Affleck to be honest with you he'd be All like right. hey do you want to go for a walk with me and I'd be like mm, no show me your back tattoo though it's a disaster <laughs> so he's allowed to not allowed to touch your lips but you're allowed to ask him to take his clothes off no it's i his shirt it's just his shirt it's all he's doing is showing me his tattoo so yeah <laughs> that's how people get pregnant is by <laughs> seeing ben affleck's back tattoo. no by saying show me your tattoos no i'm just saying i think i think it's acceptable to me because she didn't pull away so i think that was like him being like am I getting consent for touching you? Right, right. And so I thought that that was, I thought it was pretty smooth on his part. I mean, I don't think it's a great scene and I don't think they're great characters, but I did like how suavely he went in for the kiss, you know? Yeah, yeah. 
I think they're great characters. I just don't think they're good people. That's a good, that's a better way yeah. of saying it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's better. No problem. So um, I wanted to talk about how um, the cleverness of, of getting Nick to hang out by the lake in the morning that she went missing. Yeah. That's also like a Scott Peterson like parallel because he was really? fishing. Yeah, can you was- tell me, I don't really know. Can you tell me and the listeners uh, like a Cliff's Notes version of the Scott Peterson case? Because you say there's parallels and I'm very curious. Yeah. Like, Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> so Lacey went missing on, um, it was Christmas Eve. I think it was like early 2000s or something like, like maybe 2007 or something or whatever. Anyway. And um, he had gone fishing and they later found her body in the lake. So a lot of people thought that, you know, he had killed her, but the ocean, sorry. They, they found her body in the ocean. Uh, she was like eight months pregnant. Oh, geez. Yeah. And so, but what happened is after she went missing, he just started doing stuff like, um, like he wouldn't really, like there was like a vigil for her and he like didn't go talk to her mom and he didn't really like want to talk to the crowd. Um, he just did a lot of suspicious stuff. Like he like bleached his hair blonde and he was like, like taking his, like um, his brother's ID and like, and like the car and everything so that he wouldn't be noticed. And he was just saying it's cause he wanted to get away from the press, but then he had a girlfriend, Amber Fry. Now, Amber is not the same as Andy because um, Amber was like totally had no idea that he was married or anything about this. Yeah. And so she like, I feel really, really bad for Amber because she like went on national television. She like ended the whole thing and she's like, "Um, I was dating Scott Peterson. I had no idea that he was married. I had no idea that his wife is missing. And he's like telling her that he was in like Paris during like New Year's Eve or something. And he's like, Oh my God, it's so beautiful here. And there's all these fireworks and blah, blah, blah. And for some reason she's never seen the news. So she has like no idea that Lacey's missing. And uh, it was just like, there's just a lot of little like suspicious things that he did where you're like, why are you behaving like that? Is it because you killed your wife? But I think that my my own personal views is that I think that there's a lot of misconduct in the trial and there's a lot of circumstantial evidence. And I don't think that anything really truly was ever tied to him. So he really deserves a new trial because of the misconduct and because there was like a lot of jury misconduct too. Like um, one guy wanted to vote like not guilty and so they like kicked him off of the jury and then they got this other woman who basically like lied her way on to the stand because she wanted to see him she wanted to see him go to prison and so it wasn't it wasn't a jury that was impartial you know what I mean Mm -hmm. um but yeah there was just a lot of like suspicious stuff that like Nick did like the whole you know he gets up on the stand and he's like saying hey my wife is missing whatever and then he's like smiling in those pictures and um and it's it's just behavior where he like doesn't really seem like he's really sad that she's gone even though he is innocent so you're like okay so this there's some like it's always the husband you know what i mean it's like that's what people say it's always the husband and it usually is the husband and um in this case it's it's just it's so anyway so 
there's a lot of parallels and, and if anyone's interested i would highly recommend um there is a docu series on him on scott peterson that was like six episodes long which I can't remember through what it was through. I think it's on Hulu, but if you want to check it out, it has a lot more information and it's, it really kind of makes you go, I don't really know if I believe that he's guilty. So it's interesting. It's a very, and I'm, I'm like, I'm not like on hundred percent on Scott Peterson's side, but I'm, I can't, I just, I just don't think that he's, I don't think he did it. I, I think there's a lot of like, I think there's just a lot that they're missing and that a lot of information wasn't given. So anyway, so with Nick, um, I mean, <clears throat> I wanted to talk to you actually about that woman that took the photo with him. Remember they're like at the search yeah. party thing. Mm -hmm. And so she is, she's like with a crowd of other women and they're all looking at him like they want to like murder him. Oh, I thought they were looking at him like they wanted to sleep with him. Oh, I, th I thought they were looking at him like they hated him. Because she and was like, I'm going to make you a casserole. I think that they were like, <laughs> like, you know, those women, women who love to like, they love a broken man, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, like the Bundy girls. <laughs> That's what I call them, the Bundy girls. Um, I, I thought that. I did not think that at all. I think that I thought she hated him. And so when she went to him and she approached him and tried to take a picture of him or picture with him, I think that she was doing that intentionally to make him look worse. Oh, yeah. Is that in the I book? Think that, I think that, that was in the book, too. Okay. See, I yeah. had a totally different feel for that scene. Yeah. So that's interesting. Anyway, keep going. Well, no, that's it. I, I, I guess I was just curious as to what you thought, because I thought that it was like she was purposefully, um, you know, trying to get him into a spot where he looks like, like, oh, he's having a good time, but his wife is missing, you know? And I mean, I think that there's also a whole thing in, especially, and maybe, it, I don't know if it's all over the world, but it, particularly in the United States, in my own personal experience that um that people think that grief and this is not I'm not really particularly talking specifically about this movie but people think that grief looks a certain way and so when people don't seem like they're grieving in that specific way they're like oh you're you're the bad guy you know that's what that that um Netflix series Unbelievable is all about yes. um yes. based on a true story about a woman a girl she was pretty young who was raped and because of her behavior after her attack people didn't believe her but yeah like trauma and grief oh wait but yeah like grief and when bad things happen like you you're behaving like you don't know how to behave. There's no re lesson book on how you should behave after something like that happens. So it's really hard to pin yeah, right, your behavior yeah. on like an admittance of guilt or something. Looking back, like looking back on Ben Affleck's performance, I actually really liked his reaction because in the moment it seemed weird that he, how he was acting, like it seemed weird, but it didn't strike me that he had something to hide like I actually never thought he killed her yeah. I always thought he was being framed um but when you learn after the fact that 
he was almost like relieved. I think his performance was really good because he's playing somebody who's struggling with these unexpected emotions of I'm kind of relieved that this is just taken care of for me, but I'm also sad because, you know, this person who I used to love could be in danger and I just want to make sure she's okay. And I think that the balance of those emotions in his performance is, is really well done and, and subtle because it tricks you in the moment, but then thinking back on it, you're like, yeah, he's fighting this, like, I had a whole new life plan. Like, we were going to get, I was going to ask her for a divorce. So oddly, I don't have to do that, but this isn't quite the means that I wanted this to happen, but now I don't have to be the bad guy by telling her I want a divorce and but also like I can't believe that she's missing something is wrong here and so I think that that's a really interesting dynamic and I I like that aspect a lot and I think he handles that part really well because in his head he knows he didn't do it so what's why all this rigmarole I know I didn't do it you know and and but also I feel guilty for being relieved that maybe the trouble that I was gonna find myself in is now not non-existent you know right I I actually think that no one else could have done this role I think that Ben Affleck did an awesome job and this is actually kind of the movie that made me like a fan of his like I was always on the fence about Ben Affleck but then I watched his performance in this and I was like wow he is a great Nick Dunn like and I don't think anyone else and I feel the same about Rosamund Pike I think she was so awesome in this movie and um I I I mean I think she was great I so did you like Margo the sister yeah I did I liked her because I liked her character because since her and Nick were twins and they had a very close bond, she was able to tell him like it is without offending him or being cut out of his life. You know, she was like the voice of reason. And I liked that she stuck by him. She knew that he wasn't perfect. And she actually said like when she discovered that he and his had had his like mistress over to her house she didn't say like you're on your own she just said like listen they're gonna eat you alive and she still wanted to help him even though he'd made mistakes she believed that he was innocent still she about like the murder but she told him like it was told him he was an asshole but then still like stuck by him and i i really liked their relationship yeah i did too and she never liked amy like from the beginning Mm -hmm. so it was it's interesting to because they're twins so like they've had they have this bond that is you know i mean like i think you know like most siblings don't have you know sure and, yeah. um, and she so didn't like amy but she was trying so hard to be just cordial about the whole thing because of her for her brother mm-hmm. but essentially she more or less was like pretty open about the fact that she she's like no i don't like amy there's something off about her you know something shady and then turns out she was fucking right, <laughs> you know, like it was like yeah. she's right the whole time. She's like, hey, bro, your sis or your uh, your wife is um, she she crazy. She crazy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't. Yeah. I don't know if she thought she was crazy or if she just thought <laughs> she was prissy and uh, like yeah. above everybody, like aloof. And yeah. 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 Um, so I wrote down just this one thing. 
about um, <laughs> when they were doing the vigil and he like stands up to say something at the like in the gazebo. Um, he there's a girl in the crowd that goes, oh, he's so hot. <laughs> and the other girl goes he's creepy I like that yeah that was funny um and uh I I actually really liked Nick as a character this third time around seeing this movie um which I thought was interesting because I did not like him initially but as I was watching it again I was like I feel I feel for this guy because his you know his wife is insane and she's putting him under this microscope and um and then you know like i i love the detective bony detective bony i thought she was awesome she's like she's tough she's like doing her job and she's like you know but um i also like that you know patrick fugit plays uh officer gilpin and he's just like oh well he's guilty he's guilty the whole time but i like how bony's like you know i just don't know if i believe that and i it was nice that like the kind like kind of like the women were like the voice of reason in this in this film which was nice that she was she was like I get where you're coming from dude but you can't just like you can't just put this guy as guilty when you know there might be so much more to the story and she was right there was and um so I wanted to say that at the end that the like the film is very similar to the book, but at the end, they, I, I, at the end of the film, they had this very like ambiguous ending and I liked that. But at the end of the movie or in, sorry, at the end of the book, they had this like ongoing thing where they would meet up and try and figure out how to like get, like how to get Amy in trouble. Mm-hmm. And it felt like it was dragging on you know like the writer was like okay I just have to do this and then it will be over and I really wish that they had left it as um just like this vague kind of ambiguous ending where you're kind of like well what's going to happen between these two because you know she Amy has this control now over his life where she's like if you leave me after I have, you know, like everyone thinks I've been raped and now they think I'm pregnant or that she is pregnant, like, and you're going to leave me and you're going to be America's most hated man. And she's right. I mean, where is he going to go? Because people are going to know about this everywhere, you know, and he's like, you know, like, is he going to be able to get a job? Women aren't going to want to date him. You know, why would he not be able to get a job? I mean, like he hasn't done anything wrong. Like I would risk true. America hating me than living in the same room. Like he essentially this this is one of the big problems I had with the movie because I didn't understand his motivations to stay. And I feel like there was one allusion to it. His sister, he was talking to his sister and he was like, I, I have to stay now. And she said, you want to stay with her. And I thought this must have been explored more in the book that they had some sort of animal attraction to each other because in the movie, it just seems like he's staying for no reason because he, it's, he didn't kill his wife. He has done no crime. The only thing he's done is left his wife after she's allegedly been, been ra- or like she's been allegedly raped. 
and that would fade, I think, over time. Like, I think he could still get a job. Like, he hasn't done anything wrong. Yeah, I and right. I think like, like it it seemed irrational <laughs> in the movie why he stayed because she murdered. He knows that she's crazy enough to um accuse somebody of rape, accuse somebody of murder to get him the death penalty. Yeah, and to murder somebody that didn't do it you know like to just straight up in cold blood kill a man and right. he's cool with like that first night he should have gone to a hotel like i know that this is a work of fiction so it's not like right but there's no uh, in the movie there's no reason why he stayed with her um except for he didn't want to be hated which i think is pretty weak because i would risk being hated than stay like if your partner came back and you knew that your partner had done heinous crimes, would you want to sleep in the same under the same roof as them? Well, no, I would be afraid that they would kill me. Right, exactly. Yeah, I mean, like, Mike, I watched it with Mike, and he made a good point of saying, like, it was neat that they showed him in a separate room locking the door, so he didn't, like, climb into bed with her or anything. Right. But I just needed more of an explanation as to why he stayed, and that's why I was thinking this has to be explored more in the book, because in the movie there's no reason why he stayed uh, uh, before he learned she was pregnant like after he learned she was pregnant then they sort of had like a weak reason why he stayed but for that first like seven weeks there's like why did he stay you know right i think the reason he stayed is because he wanted to get her in trouble for what she did okay yeah okay that's yeah. what i think um i and I wish that they would have that explored would, that in the movie. Yeah, more. they would have showed. They wouldn't have showed that in the movie though, because they didn't have that ending that they had in the book. That's why. Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah, I get yeah, what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I can I see now more from your perspective why you might be kind of like eh, about this movie because you're right. I guess there is a lot of things that like I know um, because like, I know, I don't know inherently if, the, if that's the right word, but I know them because I've read the book. So like subconsciously I can just fill in, you know, each of the little details. And it's like, like the hunger games. Like I read the book before I saw the movie. And so when I was watching the movie and I was like, Oh, I thought it was a great adaptation of the book. And all these people were like, well, I didn't understand this and this and this. And I was like, well, they explained it. And then it's like, no, they didn't explain that. And I was like, Oh, that's because it was in the book and not in yeah. the movie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and I think I just subconsciously fill in the blanks without even realizing that it's not in the in the film, you know? And I think that that's common if you've read mm -hmm. the book and then see the movie. And so that's why it is kind of interesting that I didn't do that and I saw the movie because there were a lot of blanks that were big enough for me to be like, I I don't think this makes sense. Like something that Mike and I talked about a lot was that um, more than once he didn't listen to his very expensive lawyer and things just worked out for him. Yeah. Yeah. Like that bothered me too. Tanner like, Bolt. Yeah. Way. Like Crazy. why even bring the lawyer in if he's, if, if Nick is suddenly an expert, why even bring the lawyer in? And I think like yeah, I, the, I have something to say about that. Go on. He went on the talk show, like, yeah, that's after his lawyer that. advised him not to go on the talk show, he was like, no, no, I got this. And I'm like, so you had a couple of gummy bears thrown at you and now you're an expert at manipulation of people's emotions and perceptions of you. Right. And I know that the TV show was a vehicle for him to talk to Amy. 
right you know obviously but to come at the expense of him going out of his way to hire a lawyer that cost a hundred thousand dollars just uh, for initial services and then to not heed his advice at all and for it to be okay is really a big plot hole and i don't know if they explained it more in the book or if it's just like a really weird like movie like it, it's just movified like yeah, well i don't you did don't it remember. it worked out because that was really weird like the end result was that he like looked at amy through the camera and she like got the idea i think to kill desi and like you know like no what but so what happened and 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 i can explain this through the book is what happened and i don't remember like the leading up to it to him being on the show um but i have to say one thing is that if i was his very expensive lawyer i would have been like listen nick i absolutely insist that you do not do this interview because it will make you look worse and i have done this many many times and i know what i'm talking about but he was i felt that he gave up way too easily you know like he was just like well okay i would have been like no uh-uh as your lawyer who you've hired and you're spending a lot of money on you should probably listen to me but well, and mike mike said like they could easily have they could easily easily get around that by just having the lawyer be like okay we got a curveball thrown at us but this is what we're gonna do now right and right. like change gears and then go on the show anyway but instead it just looked like nick was like i'm the lawyer now and i can make this happen and then he just yeah. did yeah and so in the book what he is doing is he is he's specifically saying to Amy, um, like all the things that he's saying, he's saying them in a way that he knows will immediately get her attention. And in her mind, he still cares so much about her and he wants her back and everything. So the reason she decides that she's going to, um, well, first of all, she has to turn to Desi because she gets robbed. Right. By those yes. kids. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but which like even and i know i'd read the book and i knew this was going to happen and everything but even like i was like don't let these people into your house you know what i mean like i was like for someone who for someone who so wisely set up a murder she sure was really stupid yeah i thought that was i was like mm, that was that was a risk that was dumb to take but anyway so in the book she um she really believes that Nick is in love with her and that he is going to really change. Like, and this is so indicative of her having such a, like a mentally ill mind, you know, that she is like, like she 100% believes him and she's going back and he is obviously lying out of his teeth, you know, but she's like, I mean, that's just how her brain works. So then she's robbed and she i think that she ends up cooking up this way to return to him while making her still look like the victim and him looking like not a bad guy and that's by including desi in this whole thing oh because see my perception of it in the movie was that when she saw him make that speech she saw potential for them to become almost like a bonnie and clyde type like oh no. he's as full of shit as i am and now i know a way to get out of because like desi was becoming this like prison warden almost you know and so she she came to him in desperation desi. <laughs> she came to him in desperation and she didn't know a way out at first but then when she saw that she her and 
Nick could be manipulative together, she suddenly like that's when the idea was birthed where she's like, I know how to get out of this and Nick and I can manipulate the world together. I didn't think that she thought he loved her or was in love with him. I thought she was just like, I know how to entrap him now. I know how to get out of the situation with Desi now. And I know that he'll go along with it because he's sitting here on national TV, like bullshitting. And one quick note that I didn't like is he said to her, I've gone to the woodshed for you, which was secret code. Like, I know what you did. But then in like the very next scene, the cops find all the stuff in the woodshed. And I thought, wouldn't they put that together? Like, wouldn't they say he said the phrase woodshed and this shed is. No, because she called in the anonymous tip about the woodshed. Well, I know why they went there. I'm just saying, don't you think that was weird for him to say, I've gone to the woodshed for you, and then they get a tip about a shed? Like, don't you think in normal life, like, the cops would think that was really weird language, like, for him to use shed, and then they find all this evidence in a shed? Yeah, but didn't the call happen before he did the interview? Yeah, but they found the stuff in the shed after he did the interview. Okay. Yeah. I'm just saying, I'm not talking about like the movie plot. I'm not talking about like the timeline of the movie. I'm just talking in a real murder trial. If he used a very strange and unnatural phrase like woodshed and then they found evidence in a woodshed, wouldn't they think that that was really like, there's no coincidences. Like, isn't that weird? Yeah. They would, I would think that they'd be like, that's suspicious that you use that particular term. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's so like I would think when, that would make him look more guilty, you know, yeah, it, it's but like that never when, came um, up in the movie. No, I know. It, it's like when, um, like a guy is being interviewed who like his wife went missing and he goes, yeah, she was sweet. And they're like, was, she mm-hmm. was sweet. It's interesting that you use past tense for your wife who, as far as we know, is just missing. And then they end up being guilty. So, yeah. Um, yeah. It's so, uh, also, I think it's weird that they didn't like there was no exposition where the lawyer said, leave everything in the shed. Like, because in my head, if my partner planted evidence for the cops to find my first my, like my first business would be to destroy that evidence because they can use it like it's like it's a trigger. They can pull whatever they want. So right. why? did he leave everything in the shed? Like if that was me, I would have put everything somewhere else, like rent a storage unit, do something, you know, like, and there's no exposition and exposition in the movie where the the lawyer's like, listen for your alibi or whatever, you need to just not touch it. There's none of that. It's just, they decide to keep all this stuff that she knows is there and they know she knows is there. And he knows that she's setting him up for possibly the death penalty. Why did they leave it there? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. And I also thought that it was kind of weird that, um, like, if I were Amy, I would have bought it and then I would have sold it for cash and then I would have kept that cash to keep moving. Yeah. Yeah, well, I don't, well, I don't but understand. They had to like, use, I mean, she had to use it as, like, evidence against him. Like, oh, here's all the stuff he's been buying on the credit card. Right, that's true, yeah. Because, yeah, I, um, financial difficulties are a huge reason as to why people murder their wives. So just FYI. Yeah. So, I mean, I understand like, why she I've did noticed it. That's a, like almost one of the primary reasons. It's cheating and financial issues. Those are like the top two reasons. So, um, yeah, it makes sense why she did it. It just doesn't make sense why he left everything there because she right. had, it's like she had the bomb, like she had the like 
device to set the bomb off. And I don't know why he wouldn't do something. Cause, cause he went to the house and took the, the third clue cause he knew to do that. Right. But then he didn't know to move everything. I, I thought that was very strange. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I um, also think like, I thought it was weird that she wanted to see him like go to jail and die, but then she was going to like kill herself. Like, wouldn't that be a shallow victory for her? I know she's, I know she has mental issues. So obviously she's not thinking with a logical brain, but it seems pointless to like get your comeuppance on your partner and then immediately kill yourself. Doesn't it? Yeah, I thought so too. Um, in the book, that doesn't really, it's not really explained. She just kind of like continuously is like, I'm going to kill myself this day. Actually, I think I'm going to push it out by a week and kill myself this day. You know, I think I might just push it out a couple more days and kill myself this day. And then she's like, I'm just not going to kill myself actually. And she's like, because she, I think what her end game and obviously with you know I mean you can't necessarily put logic to her actions because of who she is right but I think that her end goal was essentially to kind of be like um like it's really like a fuck you to Nick you know like at the end of the day she's like oh look they found my body and now you're extra guilty but because she's a narcissist and because she's a psychopath of course she doesn't want to die so then she goes you know what I think it would actually be better if I lived and screw him over more. And so it's just like, it doesn't, I think you know, people other than narcissists don't want to die though. <laughs> like I yeah, think normal no, people don't want to die. Right. But I'm saying, but also people who are not narcissists don't plan their death unless they're like suicidal. <laughs> you know well, that's I mean? different. Like, I mean, we're, we're going down a territory that I don't, I don't know if I'm qualified to talk about, no, but I, don't think I, I do either, think, <laughs> I do think that like, well, no, I, sorry. Mike suggested that maybe it was like a last resort if they seemed to be on to her, she was going to kill herself. Right. Maybe that's not how it was in the book. Nope. See, no. I, see never... obviously she's not logic, but I, I just think like it's such a weird, it's like getting what you want and then it like, like you get something that you want and then you just get rid of it all immediately. You know, like I don't yeah, understand no. that, but you're not, I mean, how can you understand her because her she has all these problems. Right, right. No. Um, and I didn't really get, I didn't really get why she hit herself in the face with a hammer, which I think was again explained in the book, but I, I can't remember what it was. Um, other than to making like, I don't know, I guess I, I, thought, I like the whole thing, that whole scene, I guess I perceived wrong because I thought she was gaining weight and I thought she hit herself and she dyed her hair so that she wouldn't wouldn't be recognized and people would see you know like they would look at her and see an abused wife not look at her and go she looks familiar like they would be oh, caught okay, up in yeah. their like pity for her too caught up in their pity for her to see like you look a lot like amy dunn you know what i mean right 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 but i guess i perceived that wrong because she wasn't eating as a disguise she was eating because nick was controlling i guess i don't know and she so i don't eating know because she she no longer had to be cool girl because in Okay, there's, they do say a little bit about the cold, cool girl thing in the, in the movie, but it's really gone into in the book. Um, and I think I've mentioned it before, but she's like, um, men like Nick want the cool girl. They want the girl that doesn't gain weight, that can eat pizza, you know, the blah, 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 that loves blowjobs and like constantly gives them and, and stuff like that. And, and it really dives into like basically the cool girl is kind of like the manic pixie dream girl so she's like 
She doesn't have any flaws. She's perfect. She doesn't complain. She doesn't do this. She's just essentially like a blow up doll. And, um, you know, and the, the, the thing, the thing is that that is what Amy did initially with Nick is that she made herself into this perfect sort of like ideal woman. And she's a human. So of course she can't be ideal because, well, first of all, who wants to have that perfection in their life? You know, like that's exhausting. And secondly, it's, she, I think that's, that's part of the issue is that he fell in love with someone that she wasn't. And so when she started behaving like herself, once they got into Missouri, um, you know, I think he, he really started to pull away and I'm, I'm, not saying that his infidelity is her fault at all, but I am saying that I guess in his eyes, you can, you can see it being like, this isn't the woman that I married and I'm not sure how I feel about her. You know, um, she's just changing and she's becoming colder and distant and he always feels like she's judging him and, you know, and so I think there's a lot worse issues than that going on in their relationship. I think they're just very very toxic relationship you know um obviously she is terrible as a person but yeah so yeah i don't i think i i bristle at like the cool girl because it's way too generalized like men want this and women do this it's like well that's i guess on a macro scale if you take a sample of 2000 women and 2000 men and extrapolate the people who are fake like that sure you could make a general rule that but I, I guess I, I think that that's a little bit too generalized because I, I think that both of them were lying to each other. Yeah. I just don't, I don't, I guess mainly I just don't like these overgeneralized statements about men and women because in the story, they just didn't communicate with each other. No. And she's an unreliable narrator. So I can never say who, how she actually acts. Like, was she acting like herself when they first met? Because I think herself is a psychopath. So I guess, oh yeah. when did she sure. actually start acting like herself? Was that when she framed him for murder? Was that when she was being her true self? Because I don't know if it's easy to say that when they got to Missouri, that's when she started acting like her true self because we never got to see what actually was happening. Yeah. And, and so, and I think like he was suffering from like grief from his mom dying, but also probably some sort of depression from not having a job and oh, he's sure. he's he's married to a woman who has a trust fund so she's the provider and so he's having to grapple with that role switch almost like he said I've, I've never not had a job and that can be really like degrading for somebody who's just like used to providing for himself and now right. he has to rely on her and now her parents are relying on them as well and taking their money and you know what I mean so it's 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 very it's a very complicated story and it's difficult made more difficult by the fact that the story she's giving us and even him for some of it is like not real you know right yeah um i so i wrote down a couple things that i wanted to say i thought that the punch and judy dolls was like chilling i thought that was really <laughs> creepy I, I have a question for you because there's something I didn't understand because he he picked up both dolls and the male doll has a club in his hands, but then these two giant clubs, I don't understand where did those, because the club that was in the fireplace, 
they said we found this in the fireplace it's a punch and judy club but it was as big as the dolls so i was very very confused because the club that I, the I don't punch, think i know i don't the think club I know. that the punch puppet had was like appropriate for the size of the puppet but right. i didn't understand why the clubs were so big the club that she pretended to hit herself with was so big when the puppet was as big as like I, and they said yeah oh, i don't know a punch and judy puppet i didn't understand that in at all i didn't i didn't either to be honest oh, okay with you. okay yeah, i didn't either um but i, but yeah, I they I were ugly. It was creepy well it's just it was creepy like the story because you know go margo looks at him and she goes punch killed judy and she was pregnant and i was like oh shit so oh yeah 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 um and the mr brown story that he told that he said about his dad how he like pretended like he was like this character mr brown that was always off and that's why he couldn't or he like had to pretend like he ignored his children so that you know to save them and i was just like that is so sad that like and his dad was such a dick too like you know he was he had wandered away from the um nursing home and was just like insulting the woman like he's like calling her a bitch and like a whore and like all this different stuff and it was like all right okay um but what i really oh what something else i want to say too is the um it kind of made me laugh because the end note to her diary is this man may kill me and that's like it ends and he goes huh convenient end note and i was like i never thought about it that way but that's so true that's like like of course that ends there like and it doesn't continue on and it's like and just the fact that he pointed that out and i know that kind of made him look worse but he's not wrong like it is a convenient end note to the mm -hmm. diary yeah she's like oh i'm just gonna end this here instead of like filling up the rest of the pages or whatever but um what i what i really want to talk about is desi okay yes so desi is like so so they had dated and you kind of assume that Desi or like you're, you're again, like, you know, unreliable narration. So you're kind of like not sure if he had stalked her or she had done something to him. But as they show later in the movie, I think it's pretty obvious that he was obsessed with her and he stalked her. And because he is so controlling like he she's watching the tv during the like find amy broadcast and he's like he's watching the way she's looking at um her husband you know and, and he's like getting all jealous and he turns it off and she looks like she is about to murder him i don't know if you notice that look but that look she gave him like mm -hmm. could have killed him and um and in the book they get more into it basically he's like he the reason why he like makes her wear these certain clothes he won't allow her to eat as much as she wants because he wants her to be thin um i mean there's a lot more that they go into like he's a lot of more of a creepier character than was really portrayed so he um but the thing like the th like he there's several times where his like what he said to her made my skin just crawl but the one thing that he said that i felt like i was gonna fucking vomit over was he said i will not force myself on you and i thought the subtext and the implication behind that was so fucking 
creepy and powerful that I was like, oh shit, this guy is not saying like, like he's saying that, but I don't believe him in the slightest. I think if he gets denied, he'll take what he wants from her. You know, I think I heard that line, like he's essentially forcing himself on her by not forcing himself on her. Like I took that line to be like, eventually you're going to have sex with me, but it's not because I'm forcefully raping you, but you know, the pressure and his insistence and all this eventually will be, he's basically forcing himself on her, but in a, through like a back door, not, I'm not being euphemistic. I mean, like he's like (laughs) subtly forcing himself on her by make manipulating her into sleeping with him. When you said back door, my first thought was back door lover i love <laughs> coming around with the lights down low du jour means family du jour means oh, i can't remember what he says um anyway um so yeah i i i think it, it's like what you what you said coercion like rape coercion coercion essentially mm-hmm. um he's gonna coerce her into having sex with him and um so i talked about this scene before and I talked about in the Mr. Brooks episode specifically because um, there's the scene where they're having sex and then she slits his throat. She gets the blood all over him. And I, I thought that scene was like really well done. It was very like creepy. And I had mentioned that she like does this thing where she like kind of like flicks her hair back. Like she doesn't want the blood to touch her. Did you notice that she like kind of like she's like, oh, gross like she doesn't she's like she just slit his throat and his blood is all over her she's like no mm -mm, no mm, do not want to be touched by it yeah I thought her performance was fascinating because she's just taken a man's life but she is like James Bond straightening his tie almost you know she's not she's not phased at all that she has murdered somebody in cold blood Oh, no, no. She is more just like, well, I got to make sure that this blood doesn't get on me, you know, and, yeah. and then I'm back, you know, on to the next business. Yeah. 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 And I like that Boney had caught on to like her. Um, so Boney was asking her all these questions that were very pointed and very obvious that she did not believe her. And I loved that. I liked and- how uh, a- Amy had to like, she was like, oh, shoot like yeah there was a couple moments and amy was i mean amy was on her game she was like oh i'm i'm so weak i can't talk about this anymore and so of course everyone's like oh sweetie honey we totally understand you were just assaulted go and rest sweetie and and boney's like um excuse me i have one more question and amy's just like (laughs) i'm so weak like and uh but boney i mean you could tell like well first of all Nick tells Boney that he thinks that he's being, um, doesn't he tell her that he thinks that he's being framed or whatever? Well, that's something that I also kind of had a problem with in the movie was that she was like, almost like dead against him. After a couple things had happened, Boney was like, I think he did it. But then as soon as like Amy was found alive, she was now buddy buddy with Nick. And I thought that that was a little too fast. But yeah, in the in the hospital, they they had a brief interlude where he was like, "I don't buy this," you know, and and you could see the lights, the world's wheels were spinning for Boney and everything. But yeah, um, 
I thought that that was, I think, I think that the movie was too long. Like Mike paused it in, at an hour, 12 minutes, and we still had over an hour left. And I said, yep. oh my gosh, we still have an hour left. And then she comes home and this whole, like, opens this whole new box and I joked with him and said do we still have another hour left now because there's like more to it and I think that I don't know where they could have trimmed things but I I would have liked to see Boney and Nick sort of come to more of a gradual like we're on the same page now you know and I know that because he didn't kill his wife he was no longer suspect so she didn't have to treat him like one but at the same time I thought that all of a sudden they're like, now we're detectives together, you know? Right. And I think it would have made kind of more sense if she was like, were you two in cahoots? And this is all like, you know, because you don't know. I mean, there's all sorts of shit that happens. Like Mike um, actually said, like, what if he walks in to his house with his wife after they come home from the hospital and they both like congratulate each other on a job well done. And I said, (laughs) that would redeem the movie for me. I actually would really like that if they both did something just to become like famous and get out of money problems, you know? Right, right. Like that would actually be a really good ending uh, because you're right. Like you don't know what part either of them played uh so yeah um i think that obviously there would have been had to been more uh like signs to that you know but like it couldn't have came out of nowhere like it did in 10 cloverfield lane with the aliens but um you know we're not here to throw shade on that i was thinking about that movie earlier in the shower and i was just like they could have just they could have just included the aliens somewhere in there and just just in the beginning and just like and then it would have made sense when they were there later at the end okay but they didn't so it was like whatever fine <laughs> you know? i was like getting all pissed off in the shower um i was having a shower discussion um but yeah i that would have definitely been interesting obviously wouldn't have been true to the book but um i don't know i i mean i i think overall i i really like the story and i i um I have to say that I I don't I, I keep seeing Emily Arata Jakowski or whatever she plays Andy and stuff, and I have the hardest time recognizing her. She looks different in everything I've seen her in, like everything I've seen her in. I'm like I'm like oh that girl looks familiar, and then I'll look her up and I'm like oh it's her, huh? <clears throat> yeah, I liked how I just oh one more thing. Sorry. Yeah, I, I liked how she played the character because she was kind of like pouty and whiny and like in the morning when he's like you have to go we have to go before my sister wakes up she's kind of like oh you know and i thought like that was a really good uh i thought her performance was believable for a young college student who was mistress yeah uh but yeah i mean i think i've only seen her in one other thing i think she was in the movie i feel pretty with amy schumer she had a very small role and she was fine in it but I don't know. I don't know what else she's even been in. I she, I think she just made such like a low impact on me as far as like her as an actress or whatever. She's like also a model that I kind of see her and stuff, and I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, like I'm just like I don't, whatever. Um, I think yeah. I mean, I, I I really like. I thought maybe I had something to say about the whole like Noelle thing, the best friend thing, where she you know, drain the toilet and like got Noel's pee and everything. Yeah, how would that even work? Like, wouldn't the, the, 
if she drained the toilet, wouldn't the pee at least go down the pipe a little ways? Like you wouldn't be able to just like scoop it up. I don't think so. I think it would stay in the bottom. But so no, so the friend went to the bathroom in a dry toilet. Is that yeah? I think she just. I think so. Yeah. Well, then she's never been in a situation where she's overflowed someone else's toilet because I would never do that because I, I have uh, overflowed my brother's toilet during a birthday party. Oh, which, no. <laughs> That's terrible. I mean, it was fine. It wasn't like it was just water that went over the edge, you know, but right. I think that it's really unbelievable. I like the thought process. I like when we saw her step by step how she framed the husband, but I thought that that also another weak thing and maybe if there was more explanation as to what would happen because i don't know if any human adult would go to the bathroom in a bone dry toilet you'd come out and say to the person your toilet is bone dry i don't think it's gonna flush there's no water in the in the bowl you know like you wouldn't go i mean it's also totally possible so she's pregnant and so she's super pregnant and she's like you know waddling her way to the bathroom and she's you know, she has to go really bad. There's a possibility she just didn't even look in the toilet. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'll go with that. I can suspend disbelief enough, but I don't like it because I I don't know if that would be an effective way to get pee, honestly. (laughs) I I liked it. I thought it was clever. I liked it a lot. So, um, you know, I mean, I think it's a clever way to put it on her, like, her medical record and everything, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but, I liked that. I like that she got the pee, but I just don't like how she got it, you know? Right. But I don't, I mean, how else would you, you know well, what I mean? Yeah, exactly. But I'm just, yeah, I like, mean, <laughs> so I just, I just, there's too many weird things that I would need an explanation for, you know, right, like right. they could have had a line I feel like a lot of this podcast is me just wanting more things spelled out in movies and maybe that's a bad trait, but they could have just had a line when she, which it was a montage. So we didn't hear the lines, but she could have said like, I just went, I didn't even look, you know, or something. And then maybe that would have satisfied me, but there's just little things that I think, uh, I don't know, you know? Yeah. I think you need to suspend your disbelief a little bit. That's what I think. But Hey, you know what? You got to be critical and it's good that you're critical. So, and I know. wasn't really sure where she was staying. Was she staying in furnished cabins? Yeah, in the Ozarks. Okay, okay. Yeah. And uh that was that was interesting. She bought the car off Craigslist. Yeah. So, I don't know that. how she how did she um access Craigslist, you know? Because there is a digital maybe trail. Like a library oh, maybe like a library computer. You know, I mean, she could have gotten yeah. a burner phone. Yeah. Anything, you know? So that's why I think the book is probably better. Yeah. I can, I can see where, yeah, I can see where you're coming from. So would you recommend this movie? I think, I'm still not sure how I feel about the movie. I think I I can't say I don't like it. I think it's too long and I think it's not as strong as maybe you think it is because I noticed a lot of plot holes. Right. So I think maybe if somebody is a big fan of the book, they'd probably enjoy the movie more. But I also do think it's classy and it's 
a very well made cinematography cinematographically i don't know if that's a word uh i think it's well made and i think the performances are really good so maybe i would maybe i would say yeah watch it i don't think it's a great movie but i don't think it's horrible so yeah if you if you want to see a, an interesting twisting there's a lot of twists and turns at this point nothing will surprise you if you're listening to me say this because you've probably listened to everything up to this but yeah if you're in the mood for a twisty and turny movie i guess i would recommend it but it's it's very long and to me it felt long but it also and Mike said the same thing that he was wondering what was going to happen the whole time. And I was too. So that's a good sign. You know, even mm-hmm. though it feels yeah. long, you're still like, how's this, how's this going to end? You know? Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah. would yeah. you recommend the movie? Well, I actually have to ask you one question before um, we continue. What did you think about the music? Cause it was, the, it was by the same person who did the music for, um, the social network. It was yeah, by Trent, Reznor. Trent Reznor yeah, and, and some other guy, but I don't, I don't think he did the. Uh, I hate to say this, but I feel like it's forgettable. I don't think I would have thought about the score at all after okay, I, it wasn't very memorable, but I thought that it was good for what it was because I think it led a very, like, I think it, it made the movie more intense, you know? Yeah. I think forgettable is not necessarily a compliment but it's not an insult either like it fit the movie it just wasn't like it's not like jurassic park where i'm like i just want to hear the score but so yeah yeah you're not gonna be able to like point out a thing and be like oh hey that's her and gone girl you know yeah so yeah yeah, i guess i it didn't stand out to me but that also means it it was it didn't stand out in a bad way either so yeah i think it fit it was very well uh ingrained in the movie so yeah yeah um so as far as me, if I would recommend it, yes, I would. I, I love this movie. I um, was like, I like this. I feel like this sounds bad, but I was more excited to watch this movie than I've been what like any movie that we've done over the past couple months. I was like, wow. So, oh my God. I was so excited to watch it. I watched it on Tuesday, which I normally like wait until the last minute because I was like, I was like, I can't wait to watch this movie. I love this movie. I'm so excited. And I was so, um, yes, I, I would highly recommend this movie. I would also say you should read the book. Um, but, you know, I am a huge David Fincher fan. I have not found a single movie of his that I did not like. And um, I also have to say, though, that of his movies that I have seen that have been ad- ad- adapted into books, I have also read the books for, like Fight Club and The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. So, you know, I mean, and I don't know if there's, I don't, it's possible that he could have done other adaptations, but I don't know. But, um, I'm I'm a huge fan of his stuff, so I would probably recommend anything I've seen of his. He's I would say he's easily probably my favorite, if not my top five favorite directors for sure. Yeah. So um I think he's really great at making a tense film. And I think that the cast is awesome. I could I have no complaints about the cast whatsoever. I think they did a great job. Um, I thought that Neil Patrick Harris was perfect as Desi. He was so chilling and so fucking creepy in that role. And it was kind of nice seeing him in like where he's not like a beloved character, you know? Um, so except he can only play, um, I guess his, his roles have to, the name has to start with a D and end with a Y sound. Doogie, Desi, 
that was a stupid joke because there's only two characters. Barney, I guess, starts with B but ends with a <laughs> Barney. Y, yeah, so yeah. Anyway, I no, think- I agree. I thought he was really good because he um, embodied like this wealthy, aristocratic, but also like out of touch, awkward, and obsessive character. Yeah. He he did a really good job. I think I agree with you. I think the casting was really really well done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I'm kind of remembering something actually with Desi. I think that there might have been an obsession with his mother involved or something with his mother involved. And I, I can't remember what it is. And I could be horribly wrong, so don't take my word for it. But I'm like kind of remembering something about that. But anyway, um, and I like Ty- Tyler Perry as Tanner Bolt. I thought he did a great job too, you know? And, and Yeah, I would have liked so. to see more of him. Me too. I really yeah. liked... I liked when we came into the scene where um, Nick has presumably told the whole story to the lawyer. To What's his name in the movie? I can't remember. Tanner Bolt. Tanner Bolt. And all we see is Tanner Bolt's reaction. He yeah. obviously believes Nick and his reaction is like, I'll do it. And I wish we could have seen more of that in that interaction because I think that would have been amusing. And I, I thought that Tanner Bolt was a very interesting character and that's also one of the reasons that I got upset that Nick never listened to him because I wanted to see more of him and I wanted to see him respected for what he was, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and, and so I I also, I agree. I I did like his character. It's nice to see. It's nice to see actors in a role that you're not used to seeing them in, but believe that they're that. Cause like, I like, if you would have told me before this movie that Neil Patrick Harris plays a serious and almost like a psychotic in a way uh former boyfriend of the main character I would have been like uh Barney from How I Met Your Mother no, <laughs> right right he doesn't right. do that and but I was able to I believed it you know I saw it and if you would have told me like Tyler Perry plays uh, a very talented fast you know smooth talking smart lawyer I would have been like um Medea that's who you're talking about so I like that they yeah. disappear into the role. I think that that's not easy to do. And that's probably like, I, I guess, I don't know, just to throw out a percentage, maybe 90% their talent, but also 10% David Fincher's talent at oh, for pulling sure. out the right um, performance. And I and so I do think that that is, is really a, a cool aspect of the movie. Yeah, same here, same here. Um, yeah, so anyway... So we are now Googleable, and I'm really excited about. So if you guys want to check us out on anything, just Google us because we are on a hot, like a whole bunch of different. We're um, now so, on the grid. Yeah, we are on the grid. We are like because before we did not have a Google presence, and so I have worked hard to get us to have a Google presence, and now we finally fucking have one. And like, like I mean, obviously we both worked hard at this, but like I did the online stuff, so you get what I mean. But like anyway um so um you know if you want to check us out check us out on google and we're the number one thing that pops up and i'm so happy about that so yay (laughs) it's pretty awesome it's pretty exciting it is yes and you can follow us on instagram and facebook at watches and movies and if you are so inclined we have another instagram that's called the finders no the watchers who find things for some reason i always fuck that up i don't know don't do the finders (laughs) who watch things it's the watchers who find things (laughs) a totally different site and you will regret going 
to it. Yeah. No. <laughs> no, we don't know. I, how um, do you know? Maybe I looked at it. No, I'm just kidding. Well, no, we don't, I don't know. I don't, don't know. know. There, right. there's a, I have to tell you, there's this one joke that um, is in 30 Rock that like most people I feel like wouldn't get, but it's a, it's when Liz's family comes into town and they all go, it's a lemon party, but a yeah. lemon party was like a, like a site that you could go to and it was like a bunch of old men having sex with each other. And I was like, that's a good joke. Anyway, anyway, um, so thank you so much to Mike for our theme music. You can find him on Twitter at the Mike Show 42. Thank you, Mike. And if you're interested in wrestling, he was on the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Torch SmackDown post show last night. I might be sort of wrong on the title, but they were on talking live about uh, last night being july 23rd's episode of smackdown taking callers and it was a very very fun episode because wwe has just started having live audiences again so there was a lot of excitement there was people Ooh. that actually went to the show who called in and it was it was just a really really fun show went for like two and a half hours and it was just wow. fun and so if you if you're interested in wrestling or if you've heard mike on before and you like his style i recommend checking that out he did a really good job and it's a fun episode that does sound like a fun episode um and i have a tiktok that i've been uh doing and i occasionally post stuff about movies of course like why wouldn't i and it's save the phantom it's been the same damn screen name since 2004 and since phantom of the opera came out so if you want to follow me save the phantom and um i like to post some fun stuff so i like anyway. your tiktoks thank you i actually yeah. made one the other day that i forgot to send you so i'll have to send that to you later. yeah send it to me yeah anyway so yeah thank you so good so much you guys for listening to us and you know if you are interested in having us do a movie that you like go on itunes and give us five stars and and write the title of the name on on your comment or, or send us an email at watchers of movies at gmail.com or you can dm us at any of the places that we mentioned on facebook on instagram um but i would say your best bet is to do it through itunes because we'll put it to the top of the list if um you know and and just let us know what you like and comment and whatever we love to hear from you guys so please we do you know, yes we please really do. We really give do. us five stars that really helps us especially yeah. if you're if you're listening and you enjoy the show give us five stars please and yes. it will help you because you'll get more episodes and it will help us because it'll give us warm fuzzy feelings yes we love those warm fuzzy feelings <laughs> Oh, especially after a movie like that. <laughs> Lots yeah. of warm, fuzzy feelings. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening to us. We love you all. And have a great night. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Or a day or whatever. I don't know. Whatever time you listen to. <laughs> Bye.